is Pull Yourself Together with E. Shaver Booksellers. Hello, I'm Jessica, a lifelong lover of books, wide-ranging reader, fan of obscure British literature, all things Douglas Adams, long sentences, music biographies, the Oxford comma, always up for travel, except during COVID, and of course, Jane Austen. And I'm Melissa, an eclectic bibliophile and all-around nerd who also loves Jane Austen, comics, and cooking. Together, we run an independent bookstore in Savannah, Georgia. Each episode, we discuss the books we've been reading and recommend. Hi, everyone. Well, hello there. We are, um, we're back pretty much on schedule. Yeah, I think exactly on schedule. Exactly on schedule. Look at us. <laughs> yes, which is unusual I, for us. <laughs> it's exciting. We're trying in all things yes. bookstore to be more... Um, Thoughtful and, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Intentional? Intentional is exactly the word I'm looking for. <laughs> all right. In all we do. Yes. Um, so. Yeah, when we've intentionally been reading a lot. <laughs> well, we've been trying anyway. <laughs> I know. Um, we have, uh, we, we still have a lot of book clubs going and, and that does take up a lot of the, a lot of our reading time. So this 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 podcast, Melissa and I have several books that we both read for book groups, and mm-hmm. we'll discuss those. And then a, a few things that we got to sneak in on our personal time. Yes. So, um, <laughs> so yes. Well, so up up first um, is mm-hmm. something that we both read for Tequila Mockingbird, um, and I think I can safely say that Jessica and I had both read this particular book multiple times um I had to read it multiple times like Um, in school like I was assigned it multiple times in school which is the the pleasure of moving around a lot when you're a kid (laughs) yes Um, (laughs) Uh, for me fortunately I only had to read it twice in school once in high school and once again in college Mm -hmm. um it's actually a play yeah so it's um a midsummer night's dream by William Shakespeare Mm -hmm. um which I would imagine most everybody is familiar with um if you haven't necessarily read it you you probably have heard of it you have heard of it (laughs) and even if you haven't heard of it and haven't read it you've probably quoted it or heard things from it a couple of times in your life at least probably and if you've ever seen dead poet society you know (laughs) that being in it is worth dying for (laughs) oh melissa sorry (laughs) don't make fun of my sensitive poet (laughs) It's a little, little nugget. Anyway, uh, um, so we digress. Sorry. As usual, that's that's us. Yeah. Um, so, well, yes, it is a um, it is a play that takes place in ancient times. Yes. Um, and you've got several things that are um, at play. At play, yes, and several things that, if you've ever read a Shakespearean comedy. Um, are familiar. Mm-hmm. Um, you've got the um, couples who um, are in love, and I say that in quotation, quotation. marks because <laughs> there mm. is in love as anyone was allowed to be at that point in time. I think, as far as arranged marriages and whatnot go, sure. Yeah, um, you have the um, kind of comedy of errors situation. Mm-hmm. You have the fool. Um, yes. And in this case, a literal ass. Yes. <laughs> oh, bottom. <laughs> um, and then you have, um, so you have the magical folk, the mm-hmm. fairies, yeah. and then you have the real world. And the two meet up on a midsummer's night 
and uh, much mayhem ensues. Mm -hmm. But in the end, it's all sorted out in a satisfactory matter for almost everyone. Yes. Yes. Um, So I will say, having read this again, um, it's been a while since I've actually read it uh, last, and then um, I've seen it performed several times since the last Mm -hmm. time I've read it. But... It was striking to me this time, um, I, and really kind of paying attention to it, that once the female characters in it are married, they don't have another line. It's true. <laughs> um, well, now the, the fairy queen being the exception. But the fairy queen was already... I'm talking like the female human the characters, character. once they're married, never speak again. Even though there's plenty of discourse that happens in the rest of the play and their husbands speak an awful lot, they don't speak. Does the... The the, queen does. Yeah, the queen gets to speak, but none of the other lesser ladies. Yeah. Yes. But their husbands speak plenty. They do. (laughs) Well, what would you expect? I mean, come on. I don't know. Once (laughs) you're married, what do you have that's interesting to say? Clearly. (laughs) Um, I will say on rereading this that I did realize that um, although it is one of the best known of Shakespeare's plays, I I think, um, it is not my favorite by any stretch of the imagination. No. No. (laughs) And and we did some real reflection when we were talking about um, our favorites. And I am going to say Merchant of Venice, I'm going to put up there as in the top three. I like for Much me. Ado About Nothing. I love Much Ado About Nothing. Um, we we just talked about that before we went mm-hmm. live. Mm-hmm. Um, Much Ado About Nothing. Yeah. Um, but this one is uh, this one is just kind of a comical romp, I would say. It's a little insipid. <laughs> a little, yeah. It's it's got a lot of gags in it, a lot of body humor. Yeah, um, it's just there's not a lot of substance to it, in mm-hmm. my opinion. <laughs> yes. Um, it is definitely, but I think it is sort of your Shakespeare training wheels. <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs> so it's what, what you cut your teeth on in school before you jump into Hamlet and yeah. Romeo and Juliet, et cetera. Et I also cetera. hate Romeo and Juliet. I, I think Romeo and Juliet has some of the most beautiful lines in it, but it's not my favorite. Yes. If anyone is familiar with the Gilmore Girls and Mrs. Kim, I agree that it's a cautionary tale of what happens to you when you disobey your parents. It's not a great love story. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I would say that. um, So we discussed this in our Tequila Mockingbird book group, and which is made up of a surprising amount of middle school and high school. I think all high school teachers. Um, I think there's a middle school teacher in there, too. Doesn't. um, Oh, Nadine. Middle school. Yeah, I, well, yes, uh, but I think high school English teachers. Mm-hmm. But they all said that Romeo and Juliet was played out every year in their classrooms. Yeah. <laughs> so. Drama, drama, drama. But, um, but it's, always, it's always fun to dip in to the Bard. And I did watch, um, watch the version of it with um, Kevin Klein and Callista Flockhart. And, and uh Stanley Tucci, yes. yes. Um, so it was fun, and, and it was a good, it was a good and lively discussion at book group. Yeah, I think for me, um, it's that one in particular is always better. Um, 
watching it mm-hmm. um, perform than actually reading it because reading it, you realize how little there is in it. At least when it's being performed, it's entertaining. Well, and I think all all of the plays are like that. I mean, when I learned them in high school and in college, we always had a multi media yeah, approach but, to but them. But I think most of them, there's more substance to than this one. This one mm-hmm. just is no. It is. It's it's best on stage. Yeah, there's, it's just. It's kind of stupid. Well, and for those of you who really love it, continue to really love it. Um, it's, you know, nothing nothing that our friend Shakespeare does is, is terrible. But, um, but I would say this is one of my least favorites Agreed. of his plays. Um, and then next um, is also something that we read together for book club. Um, <laughs> I'm just going to put a um, uh, caveat out with this one when this book was being published jessica and i both saw the title of it and we're like stupid <laughs> we're like really was she that secret about yeah, being so, a radical and um yeah so it was for our jane austen book club and it's called jane austen the secret radical and it's by helena kelly mm-hmm. and it is a scholarly look at jane austen and some of the things that are in Jane Austen's works that people might not necessarily see on a casual reading Mm -hmm. or pick up on immediately or even like on the 500th time you've read it. Well, and uh, so basically the premise of this book is that lots of people believe that Jane Austen um, just wrote romantic comedies that didn't have much more substance than that. Right. Their commentary is um, oftentimes, you know, all of these things, historical, great historical events were going on around Jane Austen and she didn't write about any of them. She just wrote about country life and the gentry. But that's not exactly true. There are things in Jane Austen's work um, that if you had been reading it as a contemporary of Jane Austen that you would have picked up on as allusions to a lot of these things, Mm -hmm. but it's only because we're so far removed from that and things of that were in popular culture at the time that we don't necessarily pick up on them today. Now that being said, yes. Um, I think we both agree that some of the things that she asserted about some of the the mm-hmm. the things were were stretches. I I think some of them were stretches. Um, so it prompted me. I didn't have time to go back and read Pride and Prejudice because I had several other things that I was needed to read for the store. But I did go back and listen to it right after um, we finished reading this because I was like, how could I have missed this much? And in listening to it, um, I'm going to say a couple of the things were stretches. Um, Although, I mean, I think it is fair to say that there's no way to know because nothing exists of, no manuscripts exist. Well, no letters like two really manuscripts exist, exist um, but they're not for her um, best known novels. Um, right. no, none of her letters really exist at this point. So nobody really knows what she intended in a lot of these things. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it is fair to say that there was commentary in her novels because she was a well-informed woman of opinions. Yes, um, um, I would agree. And there were some things that she brought up that have, um, 
I would say, if nothing else, it was it was very good to have everything put into historical context. Mm-hmm. Um, she made some very good points about the real lack of information we have about Jane Austen's intentions. Um, and it is making me, when I do go back and reread, read with a slightly more informed eye than, mm-hmm. um, than I had prior to that. But, um, and I'm glad we read it. Mm-hmm. I think it's a, it's a good read. Um, I'm just not sure I agree with all her assertions. I, and also, one of the things that um, kind of, initially I was put off by the premise of the book that, you know, people don't read Jane Austen correctly and all this stuff. And like she actually having read an interview with the author, Mm -hmm. she really does enjoy like the film adaptations of Jane Austen. She likes all the Jane Austen ephemera things like the fun, like part of Jane Austen. She enjoys the romantic rom-com part of Jane Austen as much as all the rest of us do. But she also wanted to look at it in a more serious in a more serious yeah. way. So, yeah, I mean I am I'm happy we read it. I think it prompted an interesting discussion. There were certainly a lot of things to mm-hmm. think about. Like this I think was the most marked up book I had of anything. Like the number of page flags in my book was uh, a little It was absurd. impressive. <laughs> yeah, it was impressive. Um I'll also say that um I think universally in our Jane Austen book group we tend to look at uh, Northanger Abbey and Mansfield Park as sort of not our favorites all the time, although we have one or two who really love um, Northanger Abbey. Yeah. but um, And one who loves Mansfield Park as well. But it does make you look at Mansfield Park um, as a more serious work and as a uh, as a an intentional anti-slavery yeah um, I mean I've always felt that way about mm-hmm. it and I always felt it was different from the rest of her novels because it was it had a more serious bent and more active yes. uh, commentary on things um, my problem with it I just don't like Fanny <laughs> I know poor Fanny I know but anyway um yeah, it, yeah. and I um yeah, I, I think it really does um, make you think more about Jane Austen as you're reading it and more. And, and I think learning just more about the um, the time period and sort of the intricacies of British history. Mm-hmm. It, it just it makes it all more relevant. Yes. Like so. I uh, between that and a couple of other Jane Austen, um, the Pemberley. Chronicles. I've mm-hmm. learned more about enclosures um, than I ever learned in college. Yeah, that whole system. Um, yeah, it, it was. So I don't know why that's what stuck with me, but that's one of the things that stuck with me. Yeah, I think it was because that whole thing made Mr. Knightley look bad, and Mr. Knightley is my favorite I of know. the um, Austin <laughs> uh, heroes. So I'm just gonna turn a blind eye to his enclosures, <laughs> and we'll leave it at that. Okay. Um, so Jane Austen's Secret Radical by <laughs> Helena Kelly. Um, I think we could both say we definitely recommend it. Yeah, I think it might. It's I. I think it would be interesting to kind of um, read it as a companion piece to reading Jane Austen. So mm-hmm. like, read the chapter about like Northanger Abbey and then read Northanger Abbey or 
vice versa. Yeah. And because I reading think- it all at one time, it was a lot of information and a lot of history mm-hmm. and a lot of a lot of things that I wanted to go back cross reference the text yeah. and kind mm-hmm. of look at, but didn't have the time to do it. At yeah, the, and that's at that that's what I did with Pride and Prejudice. Although I realized that um, for me reading Jane Austen is my best way of um, really comprehending it, that listening to it because of all the movies and other things that I've done, it's not the same as actually sitting down with the book. Yeah, I don't, I have tried listening to audio versions of Jane Austen and I haven't really enjoyed it. I, I, very much they're very much reading they are they they are for me as well but i um but i am more more of an audio learner so um yes you know because who cares about that (laughs) sorry (laughs) uh well melissa what have you read on your own recently um actually i've read a lot of things that are not yet out um so here's here's some previews (laughs) um Okay, so one of the ones that I've read, um, and this one comes out in May, I believe. Um, yeah, May 17th. Mm-hmm. Um, it's Emma Straub's new book, and it's called This Time Tomorrow. Um, I have never read Emma Straub before. I've seen her um, in conversation with other authors. She... Um, owns a bookstore, so mm-hmm. I'm predisposed she does. to like her already. All right, and I'm going to raise my hand. I'm raising my hand. Yes. She wrote Melissa a note. Yeah, she did write me a note. So a again, personal I'm, note. I'm predisposed yes. to like her. <laughs> um, <laughs> but so this book, um, I heard it talked about on um, like one of the like author preview things that we have, like that publishers put out for booksellers. And it's... Um, a time travel book and I love time travel. I am mm-hmm. a nerd for time travel. I love time travel books. I love all the tropes. I, I, I love all of that stuff. Um, so this one is fun because it takes kind of traditional time travel tropes and then just does something a little bit different with them, which I think mm-hmm. is, I think, is interesting and I think it's hard to come up with something new. Yeah, and a new t- twist for yeah. time travel. Um, so, and it also, one of the other things I really like is when books that are playing off other things acknowledge mm-hmm. that they're playing off other things. And like, it's, so this one does that very well. But so it's about a woman um, and sh- her name is Alice. She, on the eve of her 40th birthday, <laughs> goes to a bar, gets super drunk, wakes up the next day, and she's 16. And so she's back in her old body. It's almost sort of like Peggy Sue got married Mm -hmm. a little bit, sort of 13 going on 30 30. in reverse. Mm -hmm. Um, um, But so in in her normal life, she has just broken up with her boyfriend, her father was a single father. He mm-hmm. is um, in the hospital. For, he has a degenerative disease. They don't know exactly what's going on, but he's sort of wasting away. And 
is getting ready to go into hospice care. And so she's been kind of dealing with that on her own because she's mm-hmm. an only child. Um, he was a science fiction writer who had written a very popular science fiction time travel book mm-hmm. that they then based a TV show off of. Um, she works as an administrator at the private school. Uh, she's in admissions at the mm-hmm. private school that she went to. Like she graduated from college, got a job working there, and is just never continued left. to do yeah. that. Um, so she's just sort of at a place where she doesn't really know what she's going to do. And so when she wakes up as a 16 year old again, like she one doesn't understand. What's, going, What's on. going on, kind of what the rules are for this this thing. Mm-hmm. Like if she's stuck as being a 16-year-old, if she only has 24 hours as a... You know, like wh- how how exactly are the rules of time travel playing out here? Is this a delusion? Uh, you know, like what's going on? But one of the things that I really, really loved about it is that in every single time travel uh, sort of story like this, the person is always trying to correct something in their love life mm-hmm. or correct something in their career or this one is very much about her spending time with her dad. Oh, okay. Well, that, um, about time. Yeah, it is sort of like about time, but it's, it's interesting because she doesn't know how she did it. It just happened. She eventually had that eventually without giving too much. Yeah, I yet. don't want to give away the story because there, mm-hmm. there's the twist with it. I like, um, so I don't want to talk too much about the that. But I just think it's an interesting idea to, like, I think anybody who loses their parent wants more time with their parent, mm-hmm. but. I don't think anybody ever thinks about spending more time with their parent when their parent was younger and they were like a teenager, Mm -hmm. you know, like the time when your parents are the worst and you want nothing to do with them. Right. Like that time when your parent is like, you know, in their late thirties, early forties, like when they're like my age, when they're Mm -hmm. like not old and sort of in the prime of life, that's the time that she gets to spend with her dad again. Oh, nice. Yeah, and it's interesting. That is interesting. Um, yeah, about time makes me cry every single time. Every mean, time. Yeah, every of course time. it does. Anyway, yeah. <laughs> if you um, have a heart. Yes, but anyway, if yeah. you if you like time travel, I think mm-hmm. this one is especially compelling. Um, it yeah, I just it's a sweet story. And when? Um, when is it set, or when does it come out? Both. It's set contemporary time. Um, when mm-hmm. she goes back in time, it's like in the 90s. Okay. Um, and um, it comes out May 17th. And very we will exciting. have signed copies. That is very exciting. Yes. Yeah. Um, I look forward to that one. I'm yeah. Like, very, very, very highly that, recommend. Borrow that arc if yes. I could. <laughs> that would be exciting. Well... I read one that's been out for a while for our mystery book group mm. um, uh, by Anthony Horowitz, who I have been wanting to read but really hadn't read. And so we read with the word is, we read, not with, we read <laughs> the word is murder. And um, it is an interesting construct of a book. Um, the main character is actually the writer. As he is, having oh, so it's done, it's very meta. Yeah. <laughs> um, so he is, he is the main character, 
The things he talks about are things that actually have gone on in his life. Mm-hmm. Uh, he talks about the books he's written, where he is in his career, you know, where he lives in London. Um, and uh, and most of the people in the book are kind of real people, except for the main group of characters. Mm-hmm. And so we meet Detective Daniel Hawthorne, who is kind of this pretty unlikable guy, but brilliant. Okay. Um, and so Detective Hawthorne is very much the um, the Holmes character in this, mm-hmm. and he um, he's good at discerning things just by looking at you. And um, but he's low on money at this point, and so he approaches Horowitz and says, "I want you to write a book about me solving a crime." where I'm the main character and I want to split the profit with you 50-50. Do you feel like this actually happened? Do you think he's real? I don't know. (laughs) It's hard to know. I mean, and then his agent becomes involved and she's like, 50-50, are you kidding? And he's, anyway, so it's it's very... This totally happened. He's so real. Yeah. So so there is a murder. It's, um, but it's interesting because there is a woman who walks into a funeral home and this sounds like the beginning of a bench. I know. <laughs> I know. It's not. No. She walks into a funeral home um, one day and plans her funeral from beginning to end and but pays people for do it. that. And then that afternoon, she's murdered. Okay. Well, that doesn't usually happen. Right. But people do the other no, part. No, people do do <laughs> the other part. Um, and it just goes from there. And really, I can't say too much more about it because I don't want to give anything away, but it does take place mostly in London, but also in um, uh, Seaside Village, and I'm blanking on the name of it. But um, so essentially the woman is the mother of a famous actor. Okay. And the um, and it comes out as you go along in the book, and this is not a big surprise, that... Um, at one point, they lived in this seaside village, and she killed a boy. She ran over him. She was driving back from the golf club and didn't have her glasses on, and um, there were twins, and they ran out into the road around a blind curb, and she hit one of them, and then she didn't stop. I mean, she stopped for a second, and then she kept going. Ew. And then turned herself in later that day to the police. Okay. So that's... Part of the part of the story. Um, well, just based on that alone, I have I have a guess. Um, but there's so many twists and turns. Oh, in I'm it. I'm yeah. sure, and, and I'm sure my guess is not correct because it seems obvious, right? And <laughs> and so um, there are, um, and he tells you that all of the clues are in his first opening paragraph that you really need to know. Interesting. But um, but at the end, I will say with book group, we were um, we were none of us guessed. Like we were all surprised when the true murderer was revealed. Hmm. So um, I like that. I like the yeah. Now some of the characters but looking back on it once you found out who it was, were there in fact clues? There are clues, but I am not a good enough mystery reader to have picked them out. But, but they but they but, are but there. They were there. But like in, in retrospect. In retrospect, they are there, but they're not obvious to me. They were not obvious to me. I think they there are people who are really close mystery readers. Mm-hmm. Um 
And I liked this. I liked this mystery because I have a hard time with um, extreme tension in a book. No, I, can't, I know. <laughs> I don't like the suspense, and it makes me antsy. And oftentimes, uh, please don't hate me, but I will go and and just read the end of the book, and then I'll go back and read the rest of the book. Because I know what you're all thinking, and I'm thinking it too. <laughs> this I, is a discussion we have often. <laughs> well, I go back and read the rest of the book, and I enjoy it just as much. I just don't I can't stand the suspense sometimes it's too much like there was one book that I had to go in the back room and finish because I didn't want to jump to the end because if the character that I thought was going to die died I just wasn't going to be able to finish the book um I know but he didn't so it's fine fine. but um I was worried for him as well, but not worried enough to to skip to the end. Uh, Yeah, some (laughs) of us, um, I may dive a little too deep into the world of their reading material, and (laughs) it becomes becomes too real for us. (laughs) Um, But I thoroughly enjoyed this. It is um, some people who read it in the group found um, the Horowitz character to be a little bit um, annoying and... um, but I, I didn't. I liked, I liked the writers writing about writing aspect of it, so um, that didn't bother me. And um, and it's a more literary mystery. And yeah, there are a lot of twists and turns in it. And I, I highly recommend him. I thoroughly enjoyed it. It was a fun ride. I read it in about two days. And um, we do read a lot of books, some for pleasure and some for work. And this was one that I really, like, I wanted to sit down and finish reading it that day. So that's that's always nice when you find a book like that. Yeah. Um, so Anthony Horowitz, the word is murder. And there's several more in this series. Mm-hmm. And um, I'll probably go through and read a few more of them because I really enjoyed it. It's a perfect book to take on vacation, on the airplane, um, just, you know, somewhere where you want something that's, Fairly fast-paced, um, little wind, yeah. <laughs> and um, and uh, will really draw you into the story. Mm-hmm. And I, I thoroughly enjoyed Detective Daniel Hawthorne as well. <laughs> well, that's... he's curmudgeonly. Well, as as most good detectives and are. A mystery. <laughs> um, okay, so again, this is something that hasn't come out yet, and that this one doesn't actually come out until July. So I'm sorry, but something to look forward to. <laughs> Um, yeah, I just, everything I've read is not out yet. Um, so I have, y'all are familiar with the storied life of AJ Fickery. Yes. Um, Gabriel Zevin has a new book coming out called Tomorrow and Tomorrow and Tomorrow. And if you were emotionally destroyed by (laughs) the storied life of AJ Fickery, Mm Just hold on, because oh, it's no. gonna. <laughs> I don't know if I can take that again. Um, the I had to stop reading this one night because I was sobbing. <laughs> to like put it down. Um, anyway, okay, so this one is it's very interesting. Um, so it is the story of um, two video game designers. Um, and mm-hmm. I know this sounds weird, um, but so Sam and Sadie. Mm-hmm. So Sam and Sadie meet when they're children. Um, so Sadie's sister, uh, I believe her name is Alice, her older mm-hmm. sister, has um, lymphoma and is in, or leukemia, and is in the hospital 
undergoing treatments. And so she's in and out of the hospital a lot. And so mm-hmm. uh, um, Sadie and her mom are in are, are there. And her sister kicks her out of her room a lot. Um, yeah. So one day Sadie is uh, kicked out of her sister's room and is kind of wandering the hospital and comes upon a game room in the children's wing. And there's mm-hmm. a boy in there playing... Um, Super Mario Brothers because it's in the very early days of like Nintendo Mm -hmm. and um, so she goes in and they strike up a conversation so the boy she meets in there is Sam Mm -hmm. Sam is in the hospital because he was in a really terrible car accident and his one foot has been crushed and so he is having multiple surgeries and this goes on throughout his whole life uh, um eventually mm-hmm. he has to have his leg uh, amputated um but he so he's in there playing and they they strike up a friendship and as Sadie's leaving that day one of the nurses stops her and mm-hmm. um tells her that he hasn't spoken to anyone uh since his car accident and she really would like mm-hmm. for Sadie to come back and spend time with Sam because he just doesn't communicate with anyone else so she starts doing this and um Uh, question is sam an orphan now or you know that he has grandparents and you find out kind of the whole story with his family but don't give too much away yeah um so um so sadie starts spending time with him um she also is getting ready to have her bat mitzvah and Mm -hmm. as part of that has to have some community service Mm -hmm. hours so the nurse signs off on her timesheet for this community service thing she only needs 60 hours of community service Mm -hmm. she ends up spending over 600 hours with sam sam finds out that it's he's a project he's a project and does not take it well Uh um so they've been really great friends while they're kids and then they sort of go their separate ways Mm -hmm. um and this this is all told kind of back and forth narrative it goes back and forth in time it switches back and forth his point of view you hear both of their points of view um and so they find each other again as college students. They both end mm-hmm. up, they're from California. They both end up going to college in Boston. He's going to Harvard. She's going to MIT. They see each other in a subway, uh, mm-hmm. uh, like just kind of in passing. Um, she's going to school for game design. He's going to school for mathematics. And he ends up playing a game that she's created falls in love with it and wants to create a game with her. And so, so begins their partnership of creating games Mm -hmm. and like they become big game designers and have their own company. Mm -hmm. Um, And it's just sort of the story of their evolving relationship, their friendship, um, their partnership, the sort of like creativity, art, Mm -hmm. creation, um, but what's really beautiful about this book is the way the narrative is told changes based on what's going on in their relationship. Like the mm-hmm. way the story is told is is different. Okay. It's really, really unusual and it's it's just it's brilliant. Brilliant. <laughs> yeah, I look forward to reading that one as um, well. And and if you're thinking to yourself, I don't care about gaming. You don't have to enjoy gaming to enjoy this book. It that's very very minimal. Mm-hmm. Like I mean, that's what they do, but you don't. Have but that's to. not that's what the n- book's about. That's not what it is. Yeah, the so. book is about relationships. Yes, yes, yeah. It's 
It's really good. It left me with a book hangover, mm-hmm. like to the point that I would pick things up and be like, yeah, yeah, I know, <laughs> I know, I know. I've I mean, been going through a little bit of that myself recently and I'm, I'm working my way out of it. Well, and this is one of the ones that, um, like our one sales rep, Jess, mm-hmm. like was like, you need to read this. <laughs> and as soon as I was finished with it, she was like, I knew you would love it. I know she's, she's really good. Yeah. She, she knows exactly mm-hmm. uh, what's up our alley. And this one, this one will not disappoint. It really is something special. And it comes out in June, July, July, <laughs> July. So long to wait. It really is. I know. Well, um, I uh, I read a book that's out currently. <laughs> Congratulations! Woo, I know it's exciting. <laughs> I, I actually listened to it. Um, my husband and I went on a uh, road trip up to my thirty-something-ish class reunion, <laughs> and um, and this was something we could both agree to listen to in the car. And so I listened. We listened to David Sedaris's new book, Happy Go Lucky. Um, which I had wanted to do because Melissa and I are going to see him next week. Yes, he will be here Very in Savannah. Excited. Um, and he's, he really just is a master storyteller. I, I thoroughly enjoyed this. It is, um, like m- most of his books, uh, there is definitely a dark side to it, but it's funny. What are you? It's not out yet. Oh, it's not out yet. <laughs> Doesn't come out till May thirty first. Oh, whoopsie doodles. Okay, <laughs> so <laughs> I forget what's out and what's not out. Um, I was like, I, you know, I don't I, think it's out. I don't yeah. recall seeing that in the store. How do we not have that? <laughs> okay. Yes, you're right. <laughs> All right, so. Um, so Libra FM, which is, is an amazing company, and we use them for our audiobook service on our website, uh, gives booksellers advanced listening copies so that we can be up to date on everything. So I'm up to date now. I'm David Sedaris. Um, we, we apologize for all of these books being not out yet. yet. Um, <laughs> It's true, but um, but it's our job. It is to to read things in advance and know what's going to be in the store. Um, maybe not on the exact date, but um, <laughs> but to know um, this one though was I found it particularly good because it um, it addresses COVID. It addresses the death of his father. It addresses the difficulty of his father, which I was really really impressed with the way that he took on, like his father was a difficult man and he, he says that, um, although his family's care for his father is incredible given how difficult his father was. Mm-hmm. Um, and he, he really broaches some tough subjects and speaks about them honestly, but with, Compassion and humor, um, and I don't want to give away too much about that, but it is, um, it's, it's really impressive. I also had a somewhat challenging um, father figure that I grew up with, so I really appreciated this and the way he handled it. And he's like, you know, <laughs> and I'm, I'm paraphrasing, but someone may have been a reprehensible human, and then they get to about 75, 80, and then they, they become a character. Oh, he's really a character, your dad. <laughs> and, um, yeah. Yeah. 
Um, and then he talks about how in the end his dad was kind of sweet. It didn't make up for the years before, but um, but he's like, who knew this man was in there? Yeah. <laughs> so, um, but he also has all the great stories with the rest of his family. So there, it starts out where he and his sister are going shooting at a gun range. Neither one of them have ever shot a gun before. Seems like a bad idea. Yeah, just, well, just it's supervised. Knowing. What the two of them are like, it seems it, it it all went fine, but they but it was it couldn't it it, it could have gone either way. It could have it could have, <laughs> and I don't want to steal his thunder, but it's one of the opening lines in there, and he's talking about all the different paraphernalia like purses where you can conceal your handgun, and he says there's a pair of compression underpants that you can put your gun in in the back, and um. I forget what they were called, like holster holder or something, but he's like, I think Gunderpants would have been the best name for them. Oh my God. <laughs> I know. I just, um, so I'm never going to forget that now. I, 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 I have thought of Gunderpants in the last few days more than... <laughs> Interesting. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Who, knew? Who knew? I had no idea. No, um, I... I don't often look for places to conceal a weapon. No, but me, me either. And that seems like a, a awkward place to conceal it. But yeah, I've yeah. You hear many a story of people accidentally shooting themselves with their concealed weapon. And mm-hmm. I just, I was just asking for trouble. I in, in in my case, it definitely would be. <laughs> yeah, if anyone's going to shoot themselves, it's Jessica. Accidentally, <laughs> accidentally. <laughs> um, but yeah, I um, it just there were some very poignant moments in it, as there often are in his books. Um, but there was also just laugh out loud, and of course, because he grew up in the South, he does the best Southern accents. He really nails it, and um, I'm very much looking forward to seeing him. Um, he does talk a lot about how he talks to people on tour and the things he picks up from them, and and kind of how each tour has a theme that sort of happens along the way in the tour. And um, it's interesting. He was talking about how the theme was sort of, he thought it was going to be in the tour that someone had given him $50 to give away to someone because they didn't have time to do it. And it had to be done by a certain time that it's like a really bad chain letter. (laughs) Well, it's like a Bible verse. So had to be given away by three sixteen, and he had to find someone to give it to. And, um, and he thought that maybe that would become a theme because then someone gave him some more money to give away to someone after he talked about it on tour. <laughs> but that didn't emerge as the theme. And I'm not going to go into what actually emerged as the theme because it's probably not okay for our podcast. But um, it had to do with nurses bringing pictures of things that people had inadvertently or not inadvertently placed in certain parts of their body. Uh, ah, the dreaded butt box at the <laughs> hospital. <laughs> Not to be confused with lost and found. No, it's a different thing. It is. <laughs> and then the gate closed. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Um, and I, I just tripped and fell on it. Well, he was saying the remarkable thing is how many people say. I just tripped and fell on it. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So um, you should probably find a different place to store that. <laughs> Probably shouldn't be wandering around your house 
naked. Yeah. <laughs> um, I, you know what? What people do in the comfort of their own home is their own business. I just don't want to sit on their couch. No, it's true. Um, <laughs> so David Sedaris's um, newest book, Happy Go Lucky, which comes out May 31st. May 31st. <laughs> so, um, and it has the creepiest cover. It really does, but after... I mean, it's completely fitting, mm-hmm. but... It just uh, plays on one of my personal fears. So. Yes, it does. It's It's got a picture of an extremely creepy clown and um, a poodle that looks not unlike my best friend's dog, Pierre. Oh. Um, <laughs> which was a kind of creepy dog. But yeah. May need to edit that. No. <laughs> it's too- um, oh, oh, Pierre, God rest his soul. <laughs> he was a good boy. All right. Well, so we're going to, we're going to, end up this um, romp of books that aren't out yet mm-hmm. with another book that is not out yet that no. Jessica and I have both read. Uh, it's coming out in July. Yeah, July 19th. Um, it is called The Kingdoms of Savannah, and it's by George Dawes Green, um, who people might know from the Moth Radio Hour, mm-hmm. and he is from the area. Yes, and he is... Um, He's an Edgar Award winner for The Caveman's Valentine. Um, but I think most people know him as, as the founder of the Moth Radio Hour. And um, he's actually just a very soft-spoken, sweet individual, too, um, uh, to have written such a um, pretty violent and uh, creepy murder mystery that takes place in Savannah. Yeah. Um, so... Um, it's it's an interesting mystery because it does do a lot with um, history and mm-hmm. kind of looking at some of the more um, seedy sides of Savannah. Yeah, and some of the darker things in um, in our history. In our history, and also some of the kind of unfortunate stuff that is. In the present, um, yes, a lot of it uh, talks well, about um, the um, homeless camps in mm-hmm. Savannah, which are definitely a thing. Like that, this is this is it, all this is, accurate. Um, it's not made up. Um, it it he starts out, um, and the characters' names are interesting because when you're reading them, if you're not from this area, you're like Morgana Ransom. And then you get to know a few Savannah families, and you're like, oh, yeah, oh, those are people's names um, that, you know, because um, the South and S- Savannah and Charleston, I would say, even more specifically, do have a penchant for naming their children um, after mother's maiden names or yeah, there's uncles a lo- or cousins. There's a lot of... There's a lot of unusual names, um, and uh, as someone who didn't grow up here and... It's mm-hmm. you know, not yeah. it's not a thing for where I'm from. Um, I find some of the, the names to be especially um, unique, and th- <laughs> and that's not not to say it's a bad thing. It's just mm-hmm. not what I'm used to. Um, but anyway, so this book starts um, with a murder, um, and that, then that takes place takes place if you uh, read the description carefully right in front of our bookstore yes. although it does not say that but we're, but it, we're gonna claim it it's on our sidewalk yes it happens uh, <laughs> on the sidewalk um, um 
and um, then another character goes missing at the same time, um, mm-hmm. and it's you know about solving a mystery um, and that mystery and um it does it goes back and forth between the um the moneyed and the non-moneyed in savannah Mm -hmm. and um and their family connections um where some of the family is living the savannah society life which is um, I'll just say somewhat dysfunctional. And then the other part of the family is living on the um, more down and out sides of Savannah, partially by choice, partially due to mental illness and partially due to just wanting to not be associated with their family because of certain traumas. Yeah. Um, and so he, I think he does a good job of, weaving historical fact into this. Um, and I think he does a good job of accurately portraying some of the things that really go on in Savannah. Yeah. Um, that are, and again, not the nicer parts of Savannah and mm-hmm. not the things that I think a lot of people think about when they visit Savannah, but are very real realities in Savannah, um, which is a city with one of the largest wealth disparities um, in this country. Mm-hmm. Um, he does any um, because he's he's from here and has lived here and still has a lot of connections here. Um, his descriptions of the homeless camps and of where the homeless people tend to hang out and their interactions between that community and tourists and um, and ghost tours specifically. Um, yeah, he, um, his his commentary on ghost tours is um, something I think we all kind of feel. <laughs> those of us that live here, so um, um, you know, yeah. <laughs> um, so I I enjoyed it. It's always weird to read a book that takes place not only in your city, but so specifically in the part of your city where you work and live. Yeah. Um, so many of the things that he talks about are places that I walk by every day or grocery shop or, you know, walk on my way to the bank. Um, and so when he names them all so specifically, it almost sounds like name dropping, but you realize that for people who don't live in Savannah, that it's pertinent information, um, that, that you might need, you know, just like when a book is talking about London and it talks about different streets and different corners. Um, this one just talks about Savannah in that way. So, yes. Um, but it was it was a fun mystery, and um, it, it's always interesting to read a book that is set in your hometown. Mm-hmm. And I, um, I didn't completely guess the ending of it at all. That was a surprise. Um, yeah, um, yeah, there were things that were like a little bit of a twist. Um, there is a reveal kind of halfway through it. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so it, yeah, it's... We can't give away too much. That's the hard thing when we're talking about mysteries. Yeah. Is you, that you have to <laughs> walk the line of not um, saying too much. But um, but we're looking forward to having the book launch in Savannah. Mm-hmm. 
And um, I'm looking forward to working with George because he's he's just such a nice, soft-spoken. Yeah, he's um, he's he's a lovely, lovely person. So. And and we've met some interesting people through him too, yes. which I really appreciate. Just uh, just some interesting people in the in the Savannah community, which is nice. Um, yeah, yeah. So, so kingdoms of so Savannah. Savannah. Uh, keep it on your radar, especially if you are a fan of things Savannah. This is, um, and especially if you think maybe Midnight in the Garden of Good and Evil is mm-hmm. a little dated, and you're looking for something new. Yes, <laughs> um, I'll say that Midnight is a little little happier book. If that's a kind of, I don't know. Maybe that's not true. I don't think Midnight was happy. Well, you're right. I think there were things in it that were eccentric. Um, mm-hmm. but and there are definitely things in this that are eccentric. But I think that the, as, I'm not going to say this word, uh, eccentricities in yeah. it. Yeah. yeah, eccentricities in it um, were not played up as a positive thing in this book. Whereas in Midnight, they were kind of played up as kitschy and and funny and unique about savannah well i think some of it is um you know the um the one guy the uh musician yeah uh, um yeah he's he's kind of kitschy and stuff um but i think it i think it's interesting because i think it accurately captures sort of the change in the way um, we look at the history of Savannah, like mm-hmm. in, in sort of the changing attitudes and uh, and how we look at history in general. I think mm-hmm. this one is good for capturing where we are, where we are now, where I think Savannah or uh, midnight was good at capturing where Savannah was in the eighties. I think yes. that that was mm-hmm. that that's why to me that book is so dated because I didn't read it until I moved to Savannah Mm -hmm. and the Savannah I moved to is very different than the Savannah that is talked about in that book. And yeah. Um, so my husband and we got married right around when the book was coming out and we were 94, we we, in 90, 95. Yeah. Yeah. We were, um, and I got, two different signed copies of it as wedding <laughs> presents. And my grandmother was horrified that I would read that trash. But um, I thoroughly enjoyed it because it did capture Savannah that I was familiar with. Yeah. Um, and and it also captured a fa- Savannah that I was not necessarily familiar with. And so, um, and yes, the big reveal in Midnight, which if you haven't read it, we won't give it away, but it's not nearly as shocking now as it was then. Yeah. So, um, but it still is an interesting portrait of Savannah, and it does, it captures a little more of the sort of scenic beauty of Savannah, whereas uh, this book really doesn't talk as much about, you know, I mean, Savannah is a beautiful city. It is. Albeit a weird and extremely hot in the summer city. Um, yeah. <laughs> but. Um, no, it, I mean, it is a beautiful place. It just also is more than just the historic district, mm-hmm. and there's yep. more than more than just multi-million dollar homes. That, right. That's, there's more to the city than that. And I think this one does a really good job of... Pointing that out. Pointing that out and really... Um, and really acknowledging things in history that 
we're starting to acknowledge yes. it as a nation and yes and yeah. as and, and as a city yeah. and it's yes um so the kingdoms of savannah a novel by george dawes green coming out on july 19th mm-hmm. and i think i think that's it i think we've reached the end of our book preview <laughs> yes our book preview time <laughs> well you know um mid Summer's Night's Dream. Yes, you're, you're right. Out. A Midsummer Night's Dream is out and available. <laughs> it's been out for a minute. Yeah, yeah. just a, a little while. Yeah, a little while. Um, um, yeah. And Jane Austen's Secret Radical. Yes, that one is also, also out, out as well. So, so not all books that are not available yet. <laughs> it's true. But yet all available for pre-order. It's true. They <laughs> are all available for pre-order. And if you happen to live in the Savannah area or want to come visit to keep an eye out for the um, event that we'll do with George for the Kingdoms of Savannah, mm-hmm. because it should be a lot of fun. And um, he is a gifted storyteller and he always has a bunch of gifted storytellers with him. <laughs> so, All right. Well, um, I guess until next time. Until next time. Um, Read all the books. All the books. Yeah. Well, all the ones you can. Yes. All right. Bye. Bye.